Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. It is Wednesday evening, and boy, I got them feet for free. I got them Shane Beamer feet for free today. Never would I ever have thought at noon I'd be sitting in my desk learning about my boy Shane Beamer walking around his office bare hoofed. I mean, just like a primal, like out here just with that primal mate energy bare hoofed in the locker room. Um, Shane Beamer apparently opened his doors of South Carolina's facilities for what was a 12-hour follow-me-around interview type scenario with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports, who, by the way, as we go through this uh, segment, I want to let you know that Brandon Marcello did something today that nobody gets the opportunity to do, and everybody and their mama's going to do it, and he did a great job doing it. So let's get that up out the way, and let's talk about Shane Beamer, because this is a Shane Beamer segment. This is not a Brandon Marcello 24-7 Sports segment. This is a Shane Beamer segment. Okay, Uh, but this is a first for me. This is an absolute first time that I've seen a college football coach, the caliber of Shane Beamer, have what was one of the most in-depth profiles written about him that I've ever really seen about a college football coach. I've seen in-depth profiles of Mike Leach walking seven miles to his to his uh, office. I've seen those. I've seen biographies written about Nick Saban, who's won. 12 some odd national titles, or however many it is, seven national titles. I've seen these things, but I have never really seen something like this. We learned a lot about Shane Beamer today. Um, we learned that he walks around barefoot most of the time in his office when he is not in a pair of flip-flops. We learned that special teams was the number one priority, no matter what, takes precedence over everything at South Carolina, which would make sense. It checks out. It's something that we believe uh, to be true and we've known to be true. Um, they start every single day with a 20-minute special teams meeting um, about special teams, right? A meeting that Pete Limbo, the assistant head coach, says, takes him four hours every single day to prepare. Spends four hours to prepare a 20-minute meeting every single day at South Carolina. We also learn that Shane Beamer doesn't believe in what he calls BSing anybody. He just believes in being him and being 100% him. And I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with you doing you and you being you. One of my favorite songs is I'm Me by Lil Wayne because he talks about just being him. Being him no matter what, right? We believe in that. Um, but this this 12-hour following around of Shane Beamer, this wasn't conducted in July. This thing wasn't conducted in February. This sucker was conducted in the middle of August, 10 days before their season opener against North Carolina, a game in which they're an underdog by two and a half points. This was not uh, a time that was convenient. <laughs> this was... Right before the season opener. This was game week. Dude, at one point in this 4,000-word love letter to Shane Beamer and his program, in quote, how can the vibes be this high on the cover letter that they gave him today? This is, what, this is one of the, my favorite lines from this piece. This 4,000-word look at all this stuff going on at South Carolina piece about Shane Beamer, who we love, by the way. Go look at my records. Go look at my tweets. 
Check Brooks Austin BA and Shane Beamer. There's five tweets of me saying I want to play for the guy. We are so Shane Beamer lovers. That's what we are. We are shovers around here. We be shoving the hell out of Lane Beamer or Shane Beamer love. We love it. We're absolutely here. But this kind of irked me, man. Ten days before the biggest game, uh, one of the biggest games of the, of, of the season opening week, right here we see this. Quote, Shane Beamer pauses in his office, uh, pauses office work three times for 20 to 25 minute discussions with some old random 24-7 reporter seated on his couch in his office. Again, we, the, the premise of this channel is not that everybody has to be Nick Saban or that everybody has to be Kirby Smart or that everybody has to be insert strict football coach here. But, dude, the idea that you're going to take – that's an hour and a half. The idea that you're going to take an hour and a half out of your work day to sit down and talk to a reporter who's merely writing a glamour piece about you who, by the way, guys, find the negative hit piece about Shane Beamer out here. Find me somebody in the media who doesn't already love this dude. What was the point of this? Why? Right? We talk about this all the time. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? I love the piece. Brandon Marcello, great job. Love the piece. Shane Beamer, why? Why 10 days before North Carolina, Drake made the second best college quarterback in the sport, okay, before you play him, why are we, are you, are you that prepared? Are you that prepared to take 90 minutes out of your day on top of a 12-hour interview to, to just do this, to just take this out of your day? I don't get it. Um, it's weird, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, again, I, the reason it's most weird to me, I don't mind pub pieces. I don't at all. I think they're necessary uh, to some extent. But this dude doesn't need one. Is there a single person out here with, with Shane Beamer dislike or disdain? No, I like Shane Beamer. Everybody loves I love him. Shane Beamer, you and C fans. Everybody loves him for a guy. And well, this is going to sound like a shot. It's hard to go eight and five in South Carolina. I've, it ain't like he's done what Spurrier did. He's on his. He's on his way. But again, there's already good pub around that program. Why? Why? Why are we doing twelve-hour interviews? I think Shane Beamer is someone who really likes to be. Liked in front of the camera, liked center of attention. I mean, he's always, I feel like he's always doing meme content too, which is kind of weird to do as a coach. I, it's fun to see sometimes, but like, dude, quit making TikToks every week. That was another piece or portion of the piece where they're like, how many coaches are cool enough to drop out that drip to Soldier Boy? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Not many. What? I mean, I don't, that wasn't the exact diction, but that basically it was something it was. like that. Yeah, you that. read it. Mm -hmm. It was basically like, I mean, who who out here doing it like Shane Beamer? Yeah. Nobody. No, no, no. Nobody's doing it like that. I mean, I remember them doing the the trend where he like had all of his coaches in yeah. his office and they were FaceTiming all the players and they weren't yeah. saying anything to him. Like it's stuff they like that. They did an office skit. Yeah. You know where he he was out pretending he was running. You know they did the the office scene where they run past the speed speedometer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it you know flickers twenty seven mile an hour. He's like, no no no, that's a new record. Like so, you know I, I get it. Like again, I'm a fan. I, I do I do like all the, all that stuff. I like all that stuff. I like mm -hmm. that you have personality. I like that you are who you are. I, I do, but like, bro, ten days before you play Drake yeah. May. So wait, wait, wait. I'm just doing math here. He took five and a half hours out of his workday to create a special teams meeting and talk to a reporter. No, no, no. Pete Limbo took, takes four hours to prepare for twenty oh, minutes. That was in the piece. He okay. said that he read this thing about from 
Churchill. He yeah. said that you for every page of that notes that you back. have, you should have it should take you about an hour, two hours, or something Basically. like that. Yeah. And he he would say the math equated to if you were going to do uh, a twenty minute meeting, you should spend twenty hours preparing the meeting. Yeah. And it's like I don't know about that. That doesn't <laughs> seem very efficient. No, it's not. No. Um, even not. what what was said. I mean, Limbo said he spends three to four hours every day preparing a twenty minute meeting. Um, which I, I, I guess, man, they are great at special teams, and it is one of the three phases in football. And look, again, this is the first negative thing I've ever said about him. I, it's, all, it's been nothing but pub, you know, nothing but pub pieces from us uh, with regards to Shane Beamer. I just don't get this one. This is really, really weird. I love all the, the, the props he gives his pops. That's great stuff. Um, I love the piece in general. Just didn't understand why we were doing it in August right before we play Drake May. It just doesn't make that much sense to me. And again, we, you don't need that, right? We, no. we, we all love Shane Beamer. We all do. I still love him right now. I'm not. I, I, this sounds like hating. I like the guy. I think he's a great football coach. Just don't need this. We don't need this until like the second national title. Yeah. I think there should be. I think they need to change whatever the South Carolina Clemson game is at the end of the year to who's the cringiest coach, and whoever loses that is just the cringiest coach for that year. I don't think there's more cringe than Dabo, but uh, apparently the people that are around Dabo be buying that. They be eating that sauce, drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, no, not even that. It's it's beyond that. Um, they be in that. Uh, but yeah, we got a great show for you guys loaded up. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. We're gonna go through our Week One predictions. We're gonna talk about the Deion Sanders quote from the other day that uh, had our, our our guy Danny Cannell all up in arms. Um, I love when the ACC just be out here getting titted on because Danny just be battle gearing up, man. Homeboy be putting that suit of armor out there just by ACC's great. No, it ain't. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about Steve Sarkeesian responding to the Big 12 commissioner as well. I think we should just go ahead and start with the DR quote, get it out of the way, because I'm ready to get these week one predictions underway because we got a lot of them. Show me that quote. I, I want to listen to this. Hurricanes, like myself. Yeah. And you're a knoll, my friend. No, 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 no. Actually, do you know where I graduated from? Yeah. Who said that? You know everything. She didn't know that. They didn't know that. Tell them again. Where did I graduate? I graduated from HBCU. So I'm a who? You're still an old. No, I'm a who? I thought it's where you graduated from, isn't it? Why you keep calling me that and it goes where I graduated from? I'm an HBCU grad. And you're okay with all those? Now, um, we obviously got some love for the alma mater around here. Okay, but I ain't out here necessarily bleeding the shorter blue. Okay, I'm not. And look, I, I don't necessarily like harbor disdain for my, my alma mater, but there are certain things that they do that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, and I've never tried to be the head coach at the damn school. He has. Deion Sanders tried to become the Florida State head coach. Or at least I, prom I promise you when that job is available, right, before Mike Norvell take it, I guarantee you he picked up the phone. I would imagine he did. Or imagine he was probably pissed off when his phone didn't ring. However that happened, it, it sounds like there was no communication between Dion and Florida State, or at least there was a separation of, of parties, right? A parting of ways, if you will, between Dion Sanders and Florida State. But um, that, I, I don't hear this a lot from, from Georgia football players, but we haven't had someone this, like, famous. There's no other word for it. He is very famous. Um, and he's very willing to say whatever it is he wants to at whatever time. Um, 
if you're a Florida State fan or if you're a Florida State alum, are you pissed off by this? Oh, I mean, yeah, dude. That's got to suck. I mean, your most prominent alumni, like you said, one of the most famous athletes in the world, and he's not out here claiming you as his alma mater, even claiming you at all, really. Like, seems like he took a lot of offense to it almost as well when he was asked about it. There, This bridge is completely burnt. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, right? it, it was burned when they burnt his jerseys because he recruited Travis Hunter. I mean, people forget a couple years. They LeBron James did. Yeah, people forget a couple years ago there were people on Twitter like taking their full out frame Deion Sanders jerseys and throwing them in fire Bro. pits because he took Travis Hunter. From By the way, stupid. one of the dumbest things yeah, that, seriously. that was ever created in sports fandom, just idiotic. Oh, the yeah. idea that you're gonna burn something that you paid money for, <laughs> what an stupid. idiot! But you really got me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. But I kind of love this honestly because Deion yeah. Sanders he knows what he's doing. He's going full heel. Like, he's trying to be one of the most hated coaches in college football from the outside world because everyone's talking about Colorado now. I don't know. I watched Steve Sarkeesian's press conference today. Um, he thinks he thinks they're the most hated football team in the world. Yeah. He, he really does. And it sounds like he's giving that message off. And super happy. Did You you watched it. I made mm-hmm. you clip this Yeah, clip. I saw it. Super happy dude. Walked in with a smile on his face. Claimed that it was because of football season. But the Texas reporters were like, we'd be smiling too if we knew we were this good. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of deal. So, um, yeah, Texas riding high on, on preseason vibes right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting to hear that come out of that program. Um, but, you know, you, you hear the same. Like, it's funny to listen to all these saving tree guys get out and, and start doing their press conferences because they try to have a portion of their own personality, but they still have a portion of the Sabanisms. So, like, you'll hear them talk about the standard and you'll hear them talk about keeping the outside noise, the outside noise. And then you'll hear them rattle off, like, nine or ten players that he think are great. And it's like, I've never heard Saban say a player's great. He doesn't do that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to hear those How guys. How crazy is it that he has to win 12 games to tie Tom Herman's win record through three seasons at Texas? Insane. But let's talk about this. I don't think we did any analysis. So, the wrap a bow on the Deion Sanders thing. Just pissed? Just yeah. mad? Yeah. And uh-huh. just- burnt forever, never to be repaired? It sounds like it. Yeah, that's the that's the vibe I get from it. All right, he's definitely disgruntled, and I think he's also taking it as an opportunity to just say shit to piss people off. Quick bow on the segment there, TCU Colorado this week. Who you got? I think TCU's a like of, a twenty-two and a half point favorite. Really? It's yeah, it's steep. Why? That's I don't a know, lot of Colorado roster. It's a lot of sucks. roster turnover. Yeah, that's why for that, both of them. But mm. Colorado's roster is abysmal. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd probably lean TCU, but. Sheesh, yeah. That's a lot of that's, those two programs going through a lot right now. I would lean TCU, but I wouldn't be swallowing them points. Yeah. TCU's natty season starts. Yeah, 22 points. Don't you watch. 22 points is a lot, though. Um, but, hey, can there's a term. I host an 11 all the time. They have loud wrong day, where they basically just make fun of Dan for being wrong all the time mm. throughout the year. I, there's not a, case, a bigger case for loud wrong in college football if Colorado is bad. There is not a football coach that's ever talked this much and been this loud during the offseason, had this many people talk about him by nature, by design, and then just lay an egg. If they're if they're a three and nine football team, like that's not that's not acceptable. Even even though they were 0 and 12 last year, right? I mean, I feel like there's two opportunities for coaches to do that this year. What if Michigan goes nine and three or ten and two? That's impossible. <laughs> they could lose to Penn State. They okay, could, that's one. They could, they could they lose to Penn State, to Ohio State. State. Ten and two is a failure at Michigan uh, right now. So I don't know, man. 
But that ain't as bad as three and nine. No, it's no. not. Gosh, they no. have to. They have to have five or six wins to be anything remotely successful, right? Mm-hmm. Bowl eligible yeah. probably is what you would have to tab them at. All right. Um, let's let's knock the Sark thing out of the way too. We just talked about my man's. We we watched the interview today. For those of you who don't know, I don't think we have the clip today, but uh, we the, got it. We have the Big Twelve commissioner. Well, we don't have the Big Twelve commissioner. But That's what I was about to preface. I was about to tell you why Steve Sarkeesian is talking about this. Um, you know, just filling the audience you. in, you know. I don't assume people know. For sure. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, the Big 12 commissioner was at a Texas Tech event. I don't know what he was doing there. It looked like some type of booster event. There was big TT in front of the podium that he was standing at. So he was very clearly not at a, a Big 12 event. He was very clearly at a Texas Tech event. And he signs off, and whether he would be making a joke or whatever, but he signs off with the fact that, hey, I'm coming to your house during Thanksgiving, and y'all better handle business that next day when y'all play Texas. Y'all better beat Texas, okay? And this is the Big 12 commissioner saying this about what is still a member school of his, but you can understand why, right? Texas going to the SEC, not necessarily a great look, um, and, and there's not necessarily great vibes around that because Texas and Oklahoma could have potentially left the Big 12 out to dry like Oregon and Washington just did with the Pac-12. Let's play the clip of Steve Sarkeesian's response um, when asked today about those comments from the Big 12 commission. You're trying to get me in trouble, Roger. But um, I, 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 jokingly aside, but, but not. <laughs> you know, I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before that speech. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, about what are we promoting to our student athletes and then to go say those types of things. So I'm, I'm not guessing he's going to have his Thanksgiving dinner with us the night before that game. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, that's, a lot's been made about that. A lot's been made about a T-shirt being made. Let, let's not make this more than it is, man. This is about us. We're focused on what we get to do and why we get to do it. We're proud to be part of the University of Texas. All right, so this is what I was talking about with this blend of Sabinisms mixed with Sark being Sark. Sark had a little joke prepared. You saw him, he, you know, he ain't coming to our house on Thanksgiving Eve, you know. I just got this letter from the Big 12 Commissioner the other day talking about fairness and sportsmanship and what kind of message are we – right, he had this sarcastic joke, and then at the end it was like, nah, in all seriousness, this ain't about that. This is about handling our business. We know where we're going. It's about a we thing, not a them thing. Keep the outside noise, the outside – but he took it, right? He, t- he took noise or took note of uh, what the, the, the Big 12 Commissioner said, but – what do you expect the Big 12 commissioners to say, man? Yeah, yeah like it's, he's supposed to have, uh, he's supposed to harbor some type of, he's supposed to feel some type of way about your football program, or at least your administration. You know what I mean? Yeah, like your most prominent school is basically is ditching you, saying goodbye. I'm going to the bigger brand, and I mean, yeah, you're gonna have some type of feeling about that, and you're, it's probably not gonna be good feelings. So it yeah. wasn't as dirty as the way USC did it. I heard, I heard today that USC's uh, board turned down the ESPN deal. They were the main reason that the, the Pac-12 network or the Pac-12 turned down the ESPN deal. They said it wasn't enough in 2021. ESPN came to them with $35 million, $30 million of school, and USC was like, no, y'all need to say no to that. We won't sign that. And then the whole time, six months later, they signed with the Big Ten and they immediately evacuate. Yeah, some shady stuff going around in conference realignment right now. And our, our vibe around here and our messaging around here has always been just wait. Just wait until conference realignment settles. Um, and it sounds like we're waiting on Stanford and, and Cal to make a decision with the ACC. That could, I mean, that could happen whenever. That could happen in the next couple of days. 
um, or it could not happen. But once that domino, those two dominoes fall, I think we're kind of settled with conference realignment until the Big Ten Network deal comes up, until the SEC Network deal comes up, and then who knows. I, th I think at some point you're going to have some type of three mega conference vibe. You're going to have three teams or three conferences of 20 vibes like that. You're going to have essentially a premier league mm -hmm. in college football. Um, and for those of you who don't follow football, um, the premier league's a, a, a standard soccer league. Uh, it's the best of the best in soccer and they have delegation or relegation, things like that. But I think that's ultimately what it looks like. Any uh, further thoughts, comments, concerns about the Sark stuff? I think it's pretty non yeah, issue. I mean, it's it's just Sark responding to an appropriate comment from the Big 12 commissioner of kind of, oh, you're leaving, screw you. So I think I think it was an appropriate response both ways. Not near as petty as what we've been seeing going on with Michigan and the NCAA. Oh, yeah. No. Not near as bad as that right there. All right, let's get into these predictions, man. Some great football games coming up this week. Uh, starting tomorrow, uh, Florida heads on to the road to face on – heads on to the road – Heads on the road to take on the Utah Utes. Spoke to Billy Napier today on the SEC uh, teleconference call. Got to ask him about altitude. They drove out to Dallas last night because of the hurricane. Okay, drove out to Dallas, stayed in the hotel out there, and this or this afternoon around five o'clock they drove the or flew the rest of the way um, to Utah. And elevation's a problem. You know, elevation's like forty-seven hundred feet up there where they play for the Utes stadium is at. Where, what city is that? I don't know my geography. Isn't it Salt Lake? Yeah, I would Salt assume Lake. Salt Lake. Either way. So, it's, it's, elevation is pretty rough up there, right? I was wondering, like, hey, how are you acclimating to that? Not really. Just getting in 24 hours early. Spoke to a bunch of specialists. Spoke to a bunch of guys in the NFL. All that good stuff. Hey, I'm here to tell you, I got family out there in Colorado. That altitude is real. The moment you step down in it, you're like, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is something else, bro. So, um... I think it's a, a relatively big part. He, he brushed it off. I mean, and he has more information than I do. Don't get me wrong. That, that dude spoke to specialists. He talked to everybody. He's got all of the resources at bay. Um, but it's just not what you normally like. Typically, teams are traveling in early. They're spending a couple of days acclimating to the, you know, the eleva elevation or they're practicing in elevation and then, you know, moving up. Nothing. Going to move in 24 hours before. All his intel tells him that's all good. We'll see if it plays a factor. I don't think it does. The biggest factor in this football game we found out today, Cam Rising will not be playing. But what if I told you that was a relatively moot point? What if I told you quarterback play wasn't necessarily the key to this football game? Um, these two teams faced off last year. Everybody knows that. They played in Gainesville in a real hot, sweaty, swampy environment, pun intended. They took 134 offensive snaps between the two football teams a year ago. 78 of those offensive snaps were run plays, okay? That's 60% of snaps last year in this football game were just runs, just standard running of the football between these two football teams. And by the way, um, the quarterback play was very superior to what we're about to get on Saturday in this matchup, right? Cam Rising, Anthony Richardson, slightly better than what we're about to talk about in this football game with regards to quarterback play. It should be noted um, that Vegas doesn't necessarily agree with me this line opened up at 9 points, 10 points, 11 points, some books, depending on where you look at it, in favor of Utah with Cam Rising at the quarterback position. Since he has been deemed uh, out for this football game, that number's been bet down all the way to minus four. Um, still in favor of the Utah Utes. So Vegas is telling you Rising's worth a tutty. I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. The key, in my opinion, is the run game, is the ground game in this football game. And if that is the key, 
Well, Gator fans, I'm here to tell you there's good news, right? Florida has two great backs. Uh, Montreal, uh, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are a great pairing, um, and, and they could very well take the game over. But uh, there is a problem in that equation. If Florida's game plan is to go in and if there's a requirement in this football game is to run the ball successfully, to have uh, a recipe for success or to win this ball game or to protect Graham Mertz, all that good stuff, um, that's not necessarily great because Utah finished in the top 25 in rushing yards allowed per game the last four seasons under Kyle Whittingham. These dudes strap. These dudes play the run game really, really well and have for year in, year out success. Oh, and by the way, on the flip end, Georgia, or uh, Florida rather, Georgia, Florida rather was 95th in the country last year in rushing yards allowed per game. Okay, a lot of that was because they were behind in a lot of football games. They were getting a lot more attempts. But 95th in the, in, in the country last year, uh, granted, young football team replacing a lot of issues, cancer, or, you know, cancel culture, if you will, getting rid of the cancers. In the football team last year, a lot of turmoil, a lot of turnover, all that good stuff. They should be a better football team, you would think. But in a football game that prioritizes stopping the run and, and running the ball successfully on both sides of the football, uh, Utah heavily favored in this matter. Um, and guess what? They got a defensive tackle in Junior Tafuna, who is a preseason All-Pac-12 guy. He's going to be a really good football player this year. Has played ever since his freshman year, going into his junior year now. Already got about 30 games under his belt as a defensive tackle, and Florida is likely to be without their starting center in this matchup. I don't think this football game was ever going to be 44-42. It's not the brand of football that these two football teams will play. Uh, these two football teams prioritize running the football and playing gap sound defense, um, and quarterback play, like I said, will be very, very below average with Graham Mertz and Bryson Barnes being the two quarterbacks available in this football game. Oh, and by the way, guys, the Utah, Utah Utes may play in the Pac-12, and they may be going to the Big 12. That is an SEC football team disguised as whatever the conference they're in right now. They play a brand of football that is SEC ball. Take about 68 offensive snaps a game. They're going to run it 37 times. They're going to throw it 30 times. They're going to be really, really balanced, lean towards the run. Defensively, they're going to stop the run. They're going to play smack you in the mouth football, and they're going to control the lines of scrimmage. They're an SEC football team. Okay, and by the way, Bryson Barnes, Utah's backup, he's going to add into the run game, okay? In the one game he started last year, I think he had 11 rushing attempts for about 85 yards. He's an athlete. It's one thing you will notice about Utah's roster. When you, when you study them top to bottom, they recruit football players, dude. They recruit guys like Bryson Barnes, who was a relatively like good high school football quarterback, broke state records as a high school football quarterback. But you know what he also did? He had 135 career tackles as a safety because dude's just a football playing some bitch, and that's what they recruit. That's all they recruit at Utah. Give me the Utes in a close football game. Okay, I like them by a field goal, uh, and they're a four-point favorite. So lay the points, or actually take the points if you're Florida. Give me Florida plus four. I think Utah wins it in a close one. What say you, boys? I have pretty much the exact same analysis on that. I think it's week one. You're going to have a lot of fatigue in teams. It's going to be sloppy, a lot of mistakes, probably two turnovers each on each side. Low-scoring game, Utah eventually wins. I just don't think Florida has the horses to keep up with Utah, especially in that elevation. By the way, asked him today, if you see a single cramp from Florida, Billy Napier's a liar. I'm just kidding. But I did ask him, hey, are you ready for a four-quarter football game? Because this is what this is going to be. Are you conditionally ready? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're good. Not worried about it. Hmm. Not worried about altitude. Not worried about his team's conditioning levels. Most coaches, like – 
again, this is the Sabanisms mixed with their actual true personalities. He's very Saban in the media availability. He is, I mean, monotone. He don't act like he wants to be there. And in front of a room, he's very boisterous, right? When he's outside of cameras, very, very strong personality. It's why he is who he is. He's a successful football coach, right? Um, but when it comes to kind of giving you the answer, I mean, he, he ain't really there for it. He's he not really there um, for, for ready to talk to the media. So, yeah, I got, I got Florida or, – or, excuse me, Utah in a very close football game there. Um, on to the next one. Let's talk about South Carolina versus North Carolina. We already talked about this a little bit. We got them Shane Beamer feet for free, uh, which was interesting to see. Uh, I still can't – I don't want to dwell on it too much, but have you seen anything like that? I'm not tripping, right? Mm-mm. I've covered college football, and I've watched college football for a long time. When was the last time you saw that kind of access on a coach in season? Never. I, I can't tell you. Very unique. Very weird. Um, anyways, let's talk about it. South Carolina versus North Carolina. North Carolina, a two-point favorite in this football game. And I got a new rule. Okay, I got a new rule on this here program. Listen close. Okay, if you're a football team in which the point spread is less than a touchdown, okay, and you can't block, I'm not picking you. I'm not picking you. I don't care how good your quarterback play is. I don't give no shits about nothing. If you are in a tight football game, if we are going in and it's a coin toss and you have no offensive line or you have a history of not being able to block, we ain't taking you. We are not putting money on you. We will not pick you. Okay, so keep me consistent on this the rest of the time. We ain't doing it. If it's a coin toss, we're going the other way. Did you know that North Carolina has allowed 40-plus sacks in each of the four years under Mac Brown? 40. That's a lot, bro. And guess what? Replacing a receiver like Josh Downs is hard enough. It really is, okay? And if you didn't watch North Carolina play last year, you may not understand this. But Josh Downs just didn't have any normal 95 receptions for 1,000-plus yards. It wasn't just your average, hey, that guy's out there, we'll throw him a, a, a slant or we'll throw him a fade ball or we'll just target him. No, 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 no. Josh Downs saved them from an additional 15 sacks last year, okay? Because when you have run-throughs and blow-throughs, you know what you need? You need a receiver that's always open and is open immediately. That's exactly what Josh Downs was last year. I would say about 30% of their offensive snaps where downset hut getting into Josh's hands as soon as possible because Drake's about to get hit. That was their entire offense. And now, guess what? Josh Downs is not there. Now, they did a good enough job of replacing people. I think they got two guys out of the portal that were not Josh Downs, but they're Josh Downs light, right? Montrez Walker, the kid from uh, uh, who was the team that the, the Golden Flashes last year that gave Georgia Kent some State. Kent State. Kent State, kid from Kent State, Montrez Walker, one of the biggest additions out of the portal or availabilities, I should say, out of the portal. Nate McCollum, kid from Georgia Tech, guess what? Gave Georgia problems too last year. So, extremely talented football players at that slot receiver position and having a, 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 an attempt or an ability to replace the issues that were, uh, you know, or the, the void left rather by uh, Josh Towns. But this is a football team that is perennially, perennially had a problem keeping their quarterback upright, and that's a problem, okay? South Carolina should win this football game because they won't be completely outmatched at the quarterback position. The only way North Carolina is going to overcome these deficiencies on the offensive line is if their quarterback is that much more special than the guy on the other side, okay? And though they're not going to play each other face-to-face, rep-to-rep, that's what it becomes a lot of the times. North Carolina in a shootout, okay, against the other dude. And guess what? 
I mean, we can say what we want about Spencer Rattler, but he's not going to be overmatched entirely in this matchup on a college football field, okay? The number one thing you will hear about Dow Loggins is his ability to meet his guys in the middle. The new offensive coordinator for South Carolina, right? Dude, I think a lot of people might have misconstrued how good Spencer Rattler was at Oklahoma when he was in a nice, simple offense. The, the year he was replaced, did you know that that dude completed 75% of his passes? Yeah, it was just because he got benched because they were getting smoked by Texas. Yeah, that's it. Dude got benched and couldn't hold off Caleb Williams by completing 75% of his balls. Like, I know last year was rough. Multiple uh, turnover football games. He had four multiple turnover football games. 18 touchdowns to 12 interceptions is replaceable. That's the kind of performances that get you replaced by any other standard in any other metric. That's not good quarterback play. Did not look great last year. There were drastic inconsistencies in his play, and there was obvious discomfort in that offense under Marcus Satterfield. But like I started with, Dow Loggins, listen to anybody that's ever played under him. He is the definition of a player's coach. You will hear people take stabs at his performance as an offensive coordinator. You will hear people take stabs at the fact that he's a former fired NFL coordinator, that he didn't survive there, that the reason he is here is because he has failed his way back down to the NCAA. People will tell you that. But guess what they will also tell you if you do any research? Every guy that's ever played for him freaking loves that dude. You know why? Because he meets him in the middle. And if we're going to meet a quarterback in the middle, we might increase his chances to have success, right? Um, he's not going to ask guys to play in a box. He's going to sit down, and he has all offseason. He said, hey, Spencer, what's going to make you feel comfortable? How do we get back to getting you to complete 75% of your balls? Because if you complete 75% of your balls in the SEC, by God, we're going to be great. We're going to be a great football team. How do we do that? All right, so I think Spencer Rattler is going to have not necessarily a rescindance year. Okay, I'm not talking about a Heisman contender. I'm not talking about that. But he's not going to have 18 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. You're going to see a guy that's much, much more, more comfortable. And by the way, I know it's a, a propaganda season and it's a talking season. But the word out of South Carolina is that dude is playing lights out right now. So, uh, Spencer Rattler is. So I, uh, my prediction is South Carolina by a touchdown. Um, a little Spencer Rattler trivia for you. Did Spencer Rattler have more tackles on interceptions last year or rushing touchdowns? Well, since you're asking, yeah, that's I'll such take an obscure tackles. question. I'm gonna say tackles. See, I tricked you. It was really close, though. <laughs> he had two tackles last year on his 12 interceptions, so one out of every six. Okay, he's making the play. High effort guy. That's a bring your lunch pail type dude <laughs> on on the pick six and statistics. Yeah, um, but he had three rushing touchdowns last year. So okay, not necessarily a dynamic weapon, which I think was the main reason he got pulled at Oklahoma. It was that Caleb Williams is great. They're down, you know, a lot of points. To Texas. They need a home run. All that stuff. Yeah, but. It was the fact that Oklahoma's run game was so staggered because they didn't have an addition uh, at the quarterback position from a, a run count uh, situation that he had to get replaced. Uh, but, yeah, I got South Carolina by a touchdown in that football game, despite the fact that we found out that uh, our boy Shane Beamer would be walking out with the toes out, feet for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points put yeah. up in this game just because you got two dudes at quarterback, two dudes that really like to take the deep shot, make the big plays. But I think South Carolina takes a dub. Just talking dudes and deep shots. What you I, got? When it comes down to when you get into shootouts, it kind of depends on who you believe in more at quarterback. And I just think Drake May is a better quarterback than Spencer Rattler. The, the sample size for him is too small. Everyone talks about the last three games of the season where he looked really good. And, yeah, he did. But like you said – 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I think that's a lot more of what he's like 
So I'm going to go. Dude, I think even in that stretch, there's still a 24 for 49 game in there. In that yeah. last three-game stretch for Spencer, like, I mean, he completed 66% yeah. of his balls last year, which is still hot, but it wasn't like elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say North Carolina win the close one, 965 to 940. Oh, it's it's a turn the sliders There's down no defense in this game. <laughs> there will bro. be no defense play. No. Yeah, it's out there with that Stetson Bennett glitch type vibes, bro. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I got South Carolina, you got South Carolina, and you got North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. We'll have to uh, – somebody needs to keep a tally for us on these kind of things so we can – uh, have some bragging rights around here. Let's talk about Clemson at Duke. Another good football game. Um, and styles make fights in football. I don't know if y'all know this, um, but how you play sometimes and how each opponent plays sometimes will impact what the ultimate game looks like. Um, and Duke, man, Duke is a balanced, well-disciplined football team. Like Duke is almost like an academy in this sense where they just don't make stupid plays. They limit explosives defensively. They play boring, boring Aiden football. When Duke is Duke, when Michael Cole or Dave Cutcliffe has got Duke being Duke, Duke is 8-5, and five, don't play around, solid-ass, hard-beat football team year in and year out. They're going to make you stop a variety of rushing concepts under Elko as well. I think last year they had six ball carries with over 500 yards of rushing, including Drake May – or, uh, excuse me, including their quarterback, um, uh, Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard as well. Okay, I had over 600 yards rushing last year. They're going to make you stop multiple weapons. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to require eye discipline, and you're going to have to play with physicality at the line of scrimmage. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm walking into a week one opponent and I'm telling my defense, hey, we got to show up ready to for a fist fight, okay? We got to show up ready to be physical, okay? And we got to show up ready to have our eyes in the right spot. Week one, man, week one, that's a tough ask. That's a tough ask for any defense, okay, unless you're Clemson. Unless you're Clemson. And we're going to have a lot of analysis like this for the next couple of years. But God dang, Clemson's old as fuck. Clemson is old as shit in that front seven. They are so old, so, so old. When I look up there, I see nothing but dudes that have been starting for three or four years. And somehow they lost two first-round draft picks. Their whole front line is dudes. They've been playing forever. I mean, 13 still playing. What's homeboy's name? Look up the roster. You're like, damn, he's still playing? Yeah, it is. Um, they got a bunch of dudes been playing forever, um, including Barrett Carter, who we love. Uh, been starting three years for them, and is going to be a first-round draft pick, most likely, at the linebacker position, right? So if you're a Clemson, right, this is a Clemson team that's been around forever. They have uh, – I worry about their long-term depth. I really do. I worry about – if you look at the two deep, it's like redshirt senior, been in here for five, six years, been playing since before COVID, since Clemson was perennial national title contender, been here since Trevor Lawrence days, right? There's some of those guys. And then the two deep is like you're going to be starting a freshman, Jamal Anderson, if, if Barrett Carter gets hurt. Do you have that for me? Yeah, both 13s um, are super seniors, Tyler Davis and Brandon Spector. Yeah, Braylon Spector. Brandon. Brandon? It's oh, Brandon. So there's multiple Spectres. Them Spectre boys, they'd be out here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, nah, they, they got some old-ass dudes. Defensive end, Marishaw or Marshawn mm-hmm. or Marshall, been playing college football forever. So they got some really old, experienced football players. And what that means is when I have to require eye discipline and when I have to require physicality, well, man, when I got 40 games under my belt, that's just, man, it's a Tuesday, brother. We're just going out playing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I think Clemson's solid – from that point of view, from a defensive standpoint. As for Clemson's offense, 
This is not your average walk in the park, all right? They will be one of the few opponents that is well-equipped to stop Clemson from a rushing game standpoint. Phil Moffa, Will Shipley are going to put up points and stress defenses this year. They're going to make it relatively easy on Cade Klubnik, except for Duke. Duke is a football team that, again, will be gap sound. They don't, they don't allow explosives. That's just not what they do. Um, and they will make Club, or Cade Klubnik win this football game. That's what they will do, um, or at least they will try to do. The 12.5 points is a little rich for my blood. Clemson wins. Um, actually, it's not rich for my blood. I think Clemson is a 14-point football game. I think Clemson's up in this game, seven points late with the ball in their hand. They score a late touchdown to cover that 12.5 points. I think Clemson's the easy, safe bet here. What, what say you guys? Yeah, it's basically like you have my note sheet. I think that it is a close game. I think it is going to be a battle kind of down. I think going into the fourth quarter, it's it's a battle. But then by the time the clock hits zero, I think it's going to be a, a two-score game for Clemson. I just think that Clemson's talent prevails, and that's what gets them the dub this week. Same. Going with just my gut analysis like you do, I think this graphics is – Graphics utilization? Graphics utilization. Ooh, buddy. My graphics utilization tells me that this is one of those games where – we're asking Monday of next week, does Dabo Sweeney have his offense? Is Cade Klubnik the Heisman winner? And he probably won't be, but I think that's how Clemson comes out in this game. They'll win by two scores. I like it. I like it. So we're all on Clemson there, which means we're probably going to end up being wrong. Now, the game of the week. <laughs> and luckily, that's it's That's good news for my Duke top 15 team this year. But. That is. I like that. Um, we got a Sunday game. How about that? Two mm -hmm. years in a row, these two football teams, uh, that being Florida State and LSU matchup on a Sunday, and this time in Orlando for some reason, like weird. I know it was a home-and-home home or a neutral-and-neutral neutral via home-and-home. Home. Yeah. Played in the Superdome last year. We're going to play Orlando this year. Proximity to uh, the school in Tallahassee, I'm sure, played a role or something like that. But of all of the stadiums in Florida to maybe potentially try to pack out with Seminole fans, uh, the Capital One Bowl or whatever it is, it seats 60,000 people in Orlando. It's not the biggest stadium in the world. Rest um, in peace, the Orange Bowl. Yeah, nonetheless. Um, anyways, uh, a great football game. And, 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 man, it wasn't all that great last year. I know it ended well, but, God, it was sloppy. Mm -hmm. I, it, it, was, it was a football game in which you had uh, two muff punts, a fumble, uh, and, and a blocked PAT all in the last five minutes of the football game. Nobody, nobody wanted to win this one at all. I don't expect such a sloppy play um, from a final stretch of the football game standpoint in this one. Uh, I don't expect, I also don't expect LSU to come out and start stagnant. Um, if you remember last year, and I don't know how you could forget, last year Brian Kelly, first year, implementing his system, implementing his offense, as the, years per, or as the year progressed, they got more comfortable as an offense. They figured out what worked for them. Um, but not only that, Jaden Daniels got far more comfortable. Uh, the only problem is they, they got comfortable, they started working into a groove, and part of that groove was Jaden Daniels' legs added into the equation. So as the season progressed, guess whose health deteriorated drastically? Jaden Daniels. So now we have a fresh Jaden Daniels and a Jaden Daniels that is comfortable within his offense. Year two, game one, Jaden Daniels. That's a real Heisman-type football player. That's what that dude, I believe, is going to play like on Sunday afternoon. Um, this is day one out-the-box toy syndrome for me and Brian Kelly. Like, this is day one. I got a quarterback that's clean, ain't a single blemish on his body. Let's go run that Ferrari ragged. Let's go see how fast we can just redline this bitch for four quarters in terms of this offense. You don't necessarily have to do that, 
But why not do that at the start of this season for LSU when you're reclining? Mean, this schedule, we've talked about it over and over again, week after week. Um, you got to be ready to play this year to start this football game. Um, but here's my thing about LSU, and I'm going to end up picking them, and I have picked them, but my thing about LSU is they are very much so L.A. Chargers. And what I mean by that is whether it's to no fault of their own, and sometimes it is, sometimes they, they get themselves in trouble. Um, but LSU's always down three starters. LSU's always down four guys. LSU's always hurt. LSU's always in trouble. LSU's always get, having the NCAA fuck around with them. And again, it's not always their fault. It's really not. So they're good people. They, they like to party. They eat great food. They're great people out in Baton Rouge. But I always look up and it's like, ah, oh, Mason Smith's not going to play. And, and you're one of your starting, one of your many starting running backs, luckily you're deep. John Emery ruled out today. Um, will it make that much of a difference? I don't know. But LSU, always a banged up, kind of hurt football team. Mixing in a new defensive backcourt entirely, basically transferred in uh, all those guys. Um, and on the flip side, right, from, from LSU's or from FSU's perspective, Jared Verse is a really good football player. Um, I think he's going to have a great year. But I think these two offensive tackles from LSU are bona fide. I think Emory Jones and, and Will Campbell in their second year of college football after having taken their licks all year last year, I think those are two dudes that are ready for whatever challenge presents itself via Jared Verse. Okay, so I don't know necessarily if they're going to take that game over from a front seven perspective for Florida State. We predicted them in our college football playoff predictions to handle the ACC from a front seven perspective. Don't know if you're going to be able to manhandle this LSU unit. Um, I like LSU in a squeezer. Field goal late. Lay the two points here. Um, if you can tease it down to zero, do that. Um, so, yeah, I like LSU as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I, I do think this is a, a one-point, two-point football game. If you can tease this thing down to zero, do it, because these are two really highly uh, you know, competitive football teams. They're very, very close. This is one of those games for me where, you know, it's early in the season, stakes are high, but not super high because it doesn't have any impact on your conference schedule. But still, you're the biggest game of the weekend. This is one of those games where I'm just like, I'm going to lean the way of the more experienced head coach in this scenario. And that's, that is Brian Kelly. And that is LSU in this situation. It's the more experienced roster in these types of situations. And I, I think FSU is still going to have a great season, but I just, I'm, I think the Tigers are going to win this one. I do think it's close, but I do uh, by touchdown in my opinion, I think they could take it up, take it out by a touchdown. But yeah, rolling with the Tigers and Brian Kelly. I think LSU last year was the more talented team was the better team, but yeah. they shot themselves in the foot so many times. Like you said, Blocked field goal, two muffed punts, missed the game tying extra Slow point. Ass start. I mean, they win that game if they don't have any special teams errors. And they, I, I mean, they they created or, or had every piece of ingredient for a just blowout. Mm -hmm. Multiple turnovers, slow start, uh, and and fondled down, or uh, falter down the stretch. So yeah, you lost that football game. No shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you look at it, it's a one point loss, and I think yeah. they're a much improved team this year. I think. They kind of feel like they let one slip away against FSU last year. They'll win this game by 10 points. Absolutely. Um, I want to close with this. Do we have anything else? We had the Michigan thing, but nah. We... Oh, yeah, we're good. You're talking about taking a stab, another stab at the NCAA. Jim Harbaugh has basically, and a laugh at his own schedule, Jim Harbaugh is letting everybody from his son to his daddy coach his football team the first three games of the year. It's insane. Uh, they made a graphic out of it. The UM football team made a graphic about all 12 of their different interim head coaches that they're going to have just as a – to the NCAA. That's all it was. It was a <laughs> – watch this. 
Um, my dad, who hasn't coached football since 2009, is going to coach the whole second half uh, of game three. Um, I want to close with this. We, we talked about it to start uh, the, the local hour. Uncommon energy. Okay, have it. Uh, find something that makes you want to have it, right? Uh, Steve Harvey said, find that thing that keeps you up at night. Find that thing that makes you itch, man. Find that thing that makes you go crazy. Um, and if you can't find it, fake it. We talked about fake juice the other day. Fusen, right? Fake juice, bring it. Have that uncommon energy, man. Show up, show out, and have some juice about your life, man. People will notice. Okay, people will notice immediately. Appreciate you. Love you. We'll see you next time.